folks. Welcome to another special edition of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And we have, I'd like to say in studio, but I guess I can say on deck. Not the baseball on deck, but literally on That's our a fun deck. On deck too, though. Um, a dear friend, brother in Christ, mentor, just blessing from God, Jeff Barefoot, who I think holds the reigning title for the <laughs> most, most appearances, <laughs> most appearances on, <laughs> on Ignite Radio Live, which I hope is an honor. I know we're Oh, gosh, honored, absolutely. But... <laughs> Wisdom, counsel, insight, as I refer to him often. As Joy. I, every, everybody needs a good mentor, and uh, Jeff is certainly that for me. Our movement is about marriage and family making their homes a place of ever-deepening encounter. For all those who come off a particular retreat or event asking the question, now what? Wouldn't it be great if the Crescio Chirp, Life in the Spirit, you know, Ignatian, you know, discernment retreats, if you will, if they were, um, if our homes could be those kind of places and God designs man and woman, husband and wife, family, homes to be that occasion. So we direct you once again to ilovemyfamily.us, which is not only our websites, but it's a proclamation Mm. and we need to proclaim I love my family.us. There you will find resources to help you and your family or you and your friends, you and your spouse. Um, just go ever deeper in this relationship with the Lord, making it easier to talk and to pray. So the guide is there. It's based on the um, upcoming Sunday readings with some great questions, daily questions, fun questions, prayers just that whole realm of stuff that you can make your own and just dive into and let it be a springboard of grace um, to open yourself up to all that the Lord desires. In a moment of candor, we at this season between Holy Trinity, Feast of Holy Trinity, very powerful, right? Following Pentecost and looking up ahead this Sunday to the Feast of Corpus Christi. Um, it is this moment, it seems, that God puts us before all of you and wanting to all the more proclaim our appointing and anointing on this earth and our movement and ask you to please partner with us. We are Image Trinity, as we say, Mass Impact. But Image Trinity is the 501c3 name of, for our movement. And we very much ask that you would please partner with us financially. Your prayer is, of course, at the heart of it all, but financially. So when you go to ilovemyfamily.us, please click on that partner tab and check it out. Okay, so um, why did we ask? First of all, I got to give you guys the setting who are listening out there. We are on the back deck of the Schleter home, uh, surrounded by beautiful unveiling summer nature. Brother Jeff here has a, a savory cigar and a cup of coffee. I don't know. How does that go together? Is that working oh, for you? They were born for each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Fabulous. No, but we haven't done this. We've I just never... have my coffee. Instead... I don't want to scandalize people. That's with true. a cigar. So. And her effervescent smile, which is which is great. So, no, we, we're enjoying the beauty of summer mm. here unveiling before us. Um, I have to make a note here because, again, the theme of tonight, Jeff recently came back from the Holy Land. And I, w- I want to just pique your appetite that Christ... In the uh, there's the Chronos and the Kairos. Chronos is chronological time. Kairos is the fullness of time. God chose a particular time and place to appear on this earth. As Catholics, as Christians, it is sacramentally consequential. That place, that time, the culture, everything about it, and. Um, Let's not dismiss the fact that it is consequential for us today when we read the Gospels. It is from the Holy Land that God chooses to reverberate 
through all the earth, mm. the truth so of our nature in him. And it is under challenge. It has been in contest. Now he is Lord. He's overall, he will win. He has won. So it's playing out because he invites us to participate in that. But Jeff's going to do a little bit of a taking us to his journey, if you will, inviting us on his journey into the Holy Land and with a particular maybe spin, if you will, or approach of the lens that it gives us to reflect upon our current state, our current understanding. So I know it was a personal journey for you, Jeff, uh, that profoundly impacted you as a theologian, certainly a wealth manager and, um, you know, very active in the pro-life movement, very consequential to so many of us and locally and throughout the country. Uh, and so we've had you now. Now it's been refined. Your lens has been all the more refined by partaking of that pilgrimage. Um, with that said, I just want to say June. Okay, so June all creation magnifies God. A homily by our beloved father, then Monsignor, and just named bishop-elect Edward Losey to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, actually, um, Kalamazoo, if I may. Like I said, Kalamazoo, yeah. Michigan. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful man. In fact, when I bought Stephanie the glider uh, for our first child, Anne Marie, it was a gift I gave her, uh, we would have these priests over and friends and beloved people in mission very frequently. And one event was, uh, you know, every every December, we'd like gather and watch three or four Christmas cartoons. And we'd have a lot of fun and joke and revelry about that. Father Ed particularly liked Burgermeister, Meister Burger, and he had his great accent. And by the way, you may be hearing F-16s flying over. So we, we knew that we were very well defended today. God bless our military. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, this particular glider is a beloved chair of Bishop-elect Losi, and we always told him for 30 years that when he's elected bishop, this is 30 years ago, when he's elected bishop, we're going to send it to him as the bishop's chair. And so I had to send him a picture of this when he was named bishop-elect and said, where do you want me to ship it? And so he responded fairly immediately with, with laughter. He said, I really needed that. That was great, you know. And so anyways, we pray for bishop-elect and all of our bishops on the note. Anyways, his homily. I'm really straying you. This is, you know, this is long-form conversation. I'm piquing your appetite for Jeff. This is the, just the, the setting, if you will, the front-end show. So Father Ed Losey then during our Journey to Emmaus significant youth and young adult events gave this homily that when John the Baptist took the scene, uh, light was at its fullest. Again, all creation magnifies God. So we're talking June 24th, light is at its fullest. Mm -hmm. From that moment forward, all creation corresponds to John the Baptist's words. May I decrease that he might increase. Really a beautiful message for all of us. May we decrease that Christ increase. And so creation, hours of light in the day diminish up till what? The point of Christmas, the light entering this world. We are in a battlefield. It is a battlefield for souls. It is a battlefield for God's image in mankind and little unborn babies. And now the craziness with transgenderism. We see the enemy messing with people's core identity. So we welcome you to this show again. Jeff, just proclaim for us just what you shared with us before we got on, just your delight in some of God's victories in your life up to this moment as a father. Well, thank you, and hello to everybody that's listening. <clears throat> we, all, we all go through periods of life, uh, maybe a year or two or three or four, where it's, it's just very, very hard. You know, yeah. deep losses, death, setbacks, divorces, hurts physical illness. Um, and then we also have periods of time of great joy, of mountaintop experiences. Yeah. And as as a good friend of mine said, and all the years in between is oatmeal. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, that, that yes. When you're going through the deep waters, you, you're tempted to say, Lord, take me home. I'm just, mm. I'm beat up and I need to so come true. to you. And when you have those mountaintop experiences, it, it's very easy to want to stay there on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm. The Lord doesn't let us do that. Mm. I'm particularly going through a two-year period now of mountaintop experiences. Five years ago, all three of my children were living outside of Northwest Ohio. My daughter had you know, been out of the Toledo area since she left college years and years and years ago. Mm. And I've got both my sons and their lovely daughter and uh, my daughter-in-law's and their four children living within five minutes of me. Praise God, I love it. And my it. daughter, who's been married to her wonderful husband for mm. just two years, is now expecting a, a baby in December. And they called yesterday. They live an hour and a half up in Detroit. And they called yesterday and said they're moving to Northwest Ohio. Magnificent. With a biblical name, yeah. Bethany. Bethany and Adam. Yes. Okay. And wow. <laughs> and, Praise. Uh, Thank you. And so wonderful. And my... My only sibling, my, my sister, joyfully came into the Holy Catholic Church a year and a half ago and has had the, the most beautiful transformation mm -hmm. in her life. And um, all these things are just blessings from God. Mm -hmm. And I think he gives these things to us as forms of great encouragement. But to put them in perspective, to remember it's earth and we're heading towards heaven mm -hmm. where the blessings will be ceaseless and unending for all eternity. Mm. Amen. Just so the beautiful. perseverance of prayer and mm -hmm. hope. And, you know, in particular, I'm thinking of your sister and yep. the story that you've shared with that. Just thank you for that witness, Jeff, because yeah. that is, that's just amazing. And the fact you would have never dreamt that your kids would all be back no. so close. And no, I had, a, I had, I had a very and, much larger home on the Maumee River and... Mm. I thought, you know, I'm living in this museum. I'm going to sell it and downsize because my kids are never going to be back. And I got to say, Ohio. I do miss that home, by the way. <laughs> and uh, glory to God in all Amen. things, you know. Yeah. But Blessed be God in all His designs. So many people yeah. that are listening go through are, yes. you know, have, are going through trials and thinking about family or, mm. you know, health issues or whatever. And God gives us these little miracles to remind us how much he loves us and he's with us in, in our darkest night and our greatest day. And can I just punctuate? We have been here now 10 years, 10 years in the Toledo area. In fact, Pentecost a couple of weeks ago punctuated our very first Ignite. Over 400 people at that beautiful place in wow. uh, Bowling Green. And uh, I think <coughs> I was working for the diocese, got a different plan. So my point is I knew you pretty much from the beginning. Yeah, uh, We have shared some challenges. I can't miss punctuating this point to all who are listening. Persevere through the darkness and the desert. You are not unknown. You are in the arms of a loving father. Mm. And it's a mystery to us. Why does he allow this? But somehow to stretch us, right? To create, to increase our hunger. But he is presiding over it. He is with us in it. He gave us his son, Jesus, to demonstrate that he was not going to be alien from it, even in the human sense, mm -hmm. that whatever folks you're going through, whatever darkness or desert, cling to hope, cling mm -hmm. to hope, Amen. cling to hope. Know that it is unveiling even as we speak. So, Jeff, what prompted you, let's just start there, to go to the Holy Land? I've always wanted to go. I love history. Um, and studying well, like, for example, American history, when you go to 
um, places where, like Mount Vernon, where George Washington mm -hmm. lived, or mm -hmm. the Battle of Gettysburg, or you know, uh, Independence Hall. You feel you're among these people that you've read about and you mm -hmm. know them. But when you when you go on pilgrimage, it's different. It's not spiritual tourism. Mm. It's it's you get a calling, a, a sort of a whisper, a kind of a whisper that God is saying, I want you to come. Mm. And I think that's true for weekend retreats mm -hmm. or if any of the listeners just take a, five hours out of their life and go someplace quiet to pray mm -hmm. and read, read scripture. You get a calling mm -hmm. and it's a movement. It's a general movement of the Holy Spirit. I had been to Rome in, with the same group. This was the Coming Home Network group awesome. from um, Marcus Grodi's um, apostolate. And I had been, first of all, with Maggie McDaniel, who's the tour guide. I had been with Maggie to Guadalupe Beautiful. in 2010, mm. which was phenomenal. And then she did the she did the organization for the two-week trip to Rome in October of 2019. And it was just fabulous going to Rome. So when I saw this, um, I, I knew the Lord wanted me to come. And I'm at an age in life and time I, where I have the time and to, to do this. I will say most, there are 40 of us on the in the group. And most of them are not young parents of children. Right. They can't leave the country for two weeks. Right let alone the expense. Mm -hmm. So it's it's people that are closer to the, as you like to say, Greg, they got the landing gear down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was it. But pilgrimage is different. And it's, mm. it's a calling and you go knowing that the Lord is going to touch you in some way, mm. but you don't know how. Mm. You, you know, when he called Abraham to leave the land that he loved, Abraham had no idea how he was going to be touched, but he knew he would be. Mm -hmm. And then you return back and a successful retreat or a pilgrimage, it, it takes you, you know, maybe two, three, four weeks to process sure. how the Lord touched you and what is its meaning and how can you take that out into your life and into the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a pro pilgrimage is a process of hearing the whisper of God and then returning back and, and saying, what, now, now what, Lord, what do you want me to do with mm. this? Isn't it so beautiful, though? First of all, the prompting, so your openness to the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. and, and feeling that calling yeah. to go. And then all the graces that we look forward to hearing that mm -hmm. happen there. And I love the punctuation, as Greg likes to use that word also, um, of the unveiling. And isn't yeah. that our good and gracious yeah. God, just how he allows that right. to continue and ever deepen. Mm -hmm. right? right. We had, we had some wonderful experiences too. We had two, um, as, as many people know, I came into the church when, when I'd already been in love with Jesus mm -hmm. as an evangelical for golly, almost 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And we had that with us. That's what the coming home network does is they mm -hmm. reach out to, um, Protestant ministers that are coming into the Catholic faith. And this is quite surprising to people, but there have been hundreds and mm -hmm. hundreds. Now, when these men leave their pulpit, they don't have, a, they right. don't have work. Right. Right. But we had two couples. One was a, a, a Baptist minister from Texas that had 
um, he and his wife had come into the church uh, on Easter vigil. Wow. And we had another one who was with his wife and he had been a pastor for many, many years. Um, and he had come in to the church on the vigil and she had not. Oh, interesting. But she, her father was a Pentecostal minister and he was a, her husband was the Pentecostal minister. And on the fourth day, I think it was, uh, she was received in the Holy Catholic Church at the Church of the Shepherds in, in oh Bethlehem. Oh my goodness. Wow, it was, it was really wow. quite interesting. Wow. Magnificent. And I think, let me illustrate, I think, how this idea that God's going to touch you mm-hmm. when you go on pilgrimage and you, you, you don't know how, but you know he is or you wouldn't be being whispered. To I love him. that, by the way, yeah. just that you, you, one right now who is listening, you know, my call to pilgrimage is pilgrimage and it comes in many forms, but whether for me to Guadalupe or to Medjugorje, similarly, I affirm what you're saying. There is kind of a still small voice and I'd say that it kind of haunts you. It does. It stays with you. Mm-hmm. So continue. Well, and we've done that on silent retreats together. You yes. and I and your brother and some of the great men yeah. that are in here, we've gone on silent retreats for a weekend and you know you're going to be touched. You mm-hmm. just don't know how. So I went anticipating that there would be some some way that the Lord would, would want to give me a, a sign of his glory. Mm-hmm. And it was on, we had, we had started in um, outside of Tel Aviv and we, we went to Caesarea by the sea the first day and then we went up to um, Mount Carmel and mm-hmm. we're actually in the cave where Elijah was and where Elijah had the, the battle with the prophets of Baal. Mm, and then one of my favorite um, scenes yeah and we stayed in magdala it's a beautiful hotel there right on the sea of galilee um and then we went up then i think it was the second day we went up to um <clears throat> we went to the sea of galilee at the mount of beatitudes mm. Mm. now matthew 5 yeah now i learned that these places in israel are in three classes for the listeners. Class A is it's the location is in scripture and there's something in scripture that gives us uh, a very solid marker that it's there. So for example, the rock where Jesus had the shore dinner with mm-hmm. Peter after the resurrection, mm-hmm. that rock is still there. So there, wow. that's a class A. We know it's there. We It's wow. mentioned in the scriptures and it's still there. Class B is the location is mentioned in the scripture, um, but there's no specific identifying marker there. Mm. So, for example, there is a memorial to the Blessed Mother Mary where she received the body of her son. Mm. But they don't know for sure that it's in the 50 yards, sure. right? but right. it's close. Wow. So that's a class B. And then a class C is the area is mentioned in, in the scriptures. But there's no real location, so you know it's like within a half a mile, mm-hmm. for example, and that's a class C. And so that's what the Mount of Beatitudes is. They know that the Lord gave his touch there. 
You are listening to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. We encourage you to check us out at ilovemyfamily.us. And this particular time, we ask for your partnership in helping us make homes places of ever-deepening encounter with Christ. We very much rely upon your partnership and support. So click on that partner tab again at ilovemyfamily.us. We're on the bus and Monsignor Jeffrey Steensteins asked me, hey, Jeff, could you do the readings this morning and for the morning mass that was going to be over the Sea of Galilee? And of course I said, hey, what are you bothering me for? <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> of course I said yes. Wow. And to make this important, I have to go back to when I was 19 years old mm-hmm. and just coming to investigate the claims of Christianity for the first time. And seeing the lives of young students back, I call it a uh, counter-reformation against the summer of love of 1967 in yeah. Woodstock. And by that, by 1971, enough young people had been through the drug, sex, rock and roll breakdown that they were despairing and, and trying to find an alternative. And that was where the Jesus movement really came to mm-hmm. the college campuses. Mm-hmm. So I was touched by that. And I, I remember asking myself, what, what if this Bible that these Christians are saying is infallible and inspired by God really is? Mm. What, what if it is? Mm. And, and I'm, I'm missing something. And I had a Bible and I remember, and I can remember everything about this day. It was, I can remember the room, my bedroom. I can remember the wallpaper, the covers. Amazing. I can remember like, like it was embedded in me. Mm-hmm. And I, I opened the scriptures that evening, not believing that the Bible was the infallible word of God. And I opened it to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. And it, it's been my theme of my conversion to Christianity my whole life. And it's, remember your calling, brothers. Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were rich. Not many of you were wise. But where is the wise man? And where is the scribe? And where is the debater of this age? Has not God chosen the things that are foolish in the eyes of the world to shame the wise? Mm. For the Greeks seek wisdom and the Jews seek signs, but we preach Christ crucified. When I closed the Bible that night, Mm. I knew it was the infallible word of God. It just flowed out of you, by the way. For those of you who are listening, you don't see the visual, but that's deeper than memorized for Brother Jeff here. That's part of his being etched in him, so that's beautiful. Continue. And that began... You know, my life, my life walk with with the Lord, and that those scriptures have been, that part of the Bible has been so important to me, my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so, Father gives, we set up over the Sea of Galilee, and we're looking out at this place where the Lord revolutionized mankind with His teaching. And I stand up to do the first reading, and you know what that reading was, don't you? <laughs> first, Corinthians. The, first Corinthians. It was first Corinthians. Wow. Mm. And the hair stood up on my head. Oh, it just stood up on my head. <laughs> wow. I, I could, I, wow. When I sat down, even when I was reading it, I could look back and I could see that 19 year old Jeffrey Barefoot. Mm. And God, that night, 
at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, knew he would place me mm-hmm. on the Sea of Galilee decades, decades wow. later. So he knew that that night. Yes. And it was his way of saying to me, see, I know every hair on your head oh. and I've been with you every moment. Mm-hmm. In fact, I am he reminded me that he not only knew Jeffrey Barefoot at 19 would be at the Sea of Galilee, but before I was born in my mother's womb, he knew this. Mm. So you had a grace, though, of recognition and reception. Mm-hmm. You had a grace of recognition and reception. And I wonder how many of us all the time are experiencing small our revelations like this from our loving God, but we're just too distracted by other things. Don't be on the side of saying, well, he's special. He's one of those people in these books that tells these stories. <laughs> <He is laughs> well, from it. Well, I just want to say, you know, you know, pray f- right now. The lesson in this moment as he continues, pray for the grace of recognition that God, in fact, is communicating to us, is wanting to say things, and that these are more than just coincidence, and pray for the grace that we receive it as such. Mm -hmm. Continue. We show up, and when we show up, God, we have to do something to back away from the world that we're in, Mm -hmm. and we can do that in little ways just on Sunday. Mm-hmm. making honoring the sabbath which is still one of our commandments that so many christians don't don't follow in and you know right. getting getting to church and um and i know every person on that pilgrimage was touched in a similar way to to the way i was and i went up and told monsignor and he said you when you get on the bus you, you got, got to tell, tell people <laughs> wow. and um so that was the first that was the first way of letting people know that when you go on pilgrimage or retreat, you are entering into God by agreeing to show up and cut off the things of the world that take your attention every single day. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to make that commitment. So um, I don't know where to begin because there were so many, many places there. Israel is... Um, 274 miles in length and 70 miles in width. Mm. So to put that in perspective, if you went to the Ohio-Indiana border and drove to approximately Sandusky and then turned south and drove to the Ohio River, that would be Israel. Wow. Great description. Yeah, it's not a large area. Um, I guess three three or four of the highlights for time would be we went to the Church of the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. Now, let's think about why all these places are there. Well, what is the Annunciation, Jeff, for the those who just tuned in? Is... They were listening to Led Zeppelin a moment ago and landed <laughs> here. What is the Annunciation and who cares? Yeah. The Annunciation is where the angel of the Lord came to Mary and told her that if she said yes, that she would be the fulfillment of all Scripture in all time. The greatest miracle of our time is that God became man to walk among us. Mm -hmm. And after the resurrection, remember there was no books, there there was no printed word, there was no newspaper. Mm -hmm. Everything was by word of mouth. And so all the followers of the Lord dispersed throughout all the holy lands and made markers where the Lord had been. Mm -hmm. And this was part of how the story was told 300 years before the New Testament was even canonized. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew this. So they knew Nazareth and Mary was living mm-hmm. and she would go up. She would have gone up there with P- 
Peter and James and John and said, yeah, this is this. Everybody in Nazareth knew where the home of Jesus was. Mm -hmm. There were only 250 people living in Nazareth at the time. So that's the background of how we know these places. And by the way, the Christians hardly ever left after the resurrection. When the temple was destroyed, the Jewish temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, the Jews were again carried away out of the land not to return until the 1970s or 1940s. But the Christians really didn't leave. They mm. were there for, in fact, our guide was born in Bethlehem and he can trace his family back to the first century Christians. My goodness, could they you have imagine a that? record of their family. We hear these, shall we say, stories. With faith, they're more than stories. They are history uh, of God's intentionality for us to live in this eternal intimacy with him by giving a second person the Trinity his son. What's consequential about this conversation and you sharing it is it put history in the mystery. It, it put flesh on the bones. You were right there um, and experiencing what many was not just a story, but shared through the ages, a deeply lived experience as real for them as the story you shared with us at the very beginning of this broadcast, mm -hmm. dealing with your children and your sister. Centuries down the road, who knows if those stories will continue to be told? Who knows if they just become on paper or myth or whatever, but very real to you and hopefully to your grandkids and such. Similarly, folks who are listening, God wants this truth to break through in more than this sort of distant, ethereal thing we just pay lip service to at the particular Mass. He wants it to imbue our imaginations and our memories and our understanding. And you beautifully set the stage that certainly a pilgrimage is attending to God's voice and getting rid of other things. And we ought to be open to the same and be on a, have a pilgrimage mindset. And it's real. It's the taking on flesh in our lives. For what that's worth, continue. Annunciation. Well, so we go to this beautiful church. And of course, as, as the faith grew, these places where Mary lived or Peter lived or, you know, the rock that I had mentioned earlier, they mm. would be... They were worshiping there, and then eventually they would build a small church around that area, around the home, mm. or and then that small church would become a bigger church. Mm. And so we know where these places were. And through time, remember now that, you know, the Muslims came into that land and destroyed much of it, and then they were rebuilt. Can you give us a snapshot to the best of your knowledge what is the Muslim thing? When did that happen? Because they do affirm Christ as a great prophet. They do right. share, I think they're monotheistic. Yes. Everybody knows Islam was founded by the prophet Muhammad mm -hmm. and conquered Persia, modern day Iran. And it continued to grow and it, it grew, you know, it, it grew by the sword. It grew mm -hmm. by conquest. And... um this is what by, you know, 1100 A.D., this is where the, the Crusades were coming in. They, they, you know, it had gone all the way through the Holy Lands and up through Turkey and into Spain and was deeply rooted in, in Spain. Became political, became nations, became yes. territory, was, yes. was every bit as consequential versus Christianity, which similarly, right, fourth century Constantine and became the official religion. Right. And we found the nation states very much ruled right. by a Christian mindset, too, with pluses and minuses, but Christendom, right, right. at its height. So anyways... 
as you described, the Muslims in the Holy Land, their incursion, the clash was inevitable. The class was inevitable, and it's it's remarkable when they came to Jerusalem and many of the things that they destroyed mm-hmm. in Jerusalem, because the temple had already been destroyed, and only the Western Wall was left in A.D. 70. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting what they did not destroy is they believe in Jesus. They just mm-hmm. don't believe he was the Messiah, and they have a high respect for, for Mary. Mm-hmm. So the places where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, those churches weren't destroyed. Because, you know, it was only uh, those places where they felt it. But back to the Church of the Annunciation, we walk in there and go through this beautiful church. And then you go into the place where the altar is carved into the cave, which was actually the home of Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Where the, where the angel came and there's an altar and you bend down on your hands and knees and there's a, there's a marker there where she sat mm. when she was approached by the angel and it says in Latin, here God became flesh. Wow, is that class A? Just class A. Wow. And, and then there's the, to oh. the side of the church, there's the, the you know, the, foundation of the little home that Jesus and Mary and Joseph had. Mm. That really, really kind of moves you. Then we, so many other places we went to, for example, going up to the top of Mount Tabor, Mm. where the transfiguration occurred. And when you stand up there, it's, it's one heck of a ride to get up there, by the way. Mm. I don't know how, how they walked up there, Jesus with Peter and uh, John, and I think it was Andrew. Mm -hmm. You can stand on Mount Tibor and you can look out among, you know, across the valleys. You can see places, you know, you can stand on Mount Carmel and you can stand on Mount Tibor. And you can see the, the valley of Armageddon mm. where, the, where the scriptures tell us the final, the final battle will be. Mm. We, we went to so many places like that. We went to the, the Church of the Nativity then, of course, up in Jerusalem. And when we speak of Jerusalem, they always refer to it as up because it's high Mm -hmm. on Mount Zion. And when you read in the scriptures that the disciples went down, that, that, you know, well, wait a minute, they went down, but they went north, right? (laughs) Right. Like if if friends are coming from Cincinnati, they're coming up. And if friends are coming from Petoskey, Michigan, they're coming down. Mm -hmm. But they don't mean that in Israel. They up up and down is in reference always to the holy city. Mm. So we went to, we went to uh, Bethlehem, which is a short journey. Um, by walking, you could probably walk it in less than an hour, two hours. And we went to the Church of the Nativity, and there, same thing as there was in the Church of, of the Annunciation. You, you walk in, and there's an altar there, and you can bend down underneath the altar and touch the very spot where the Lord Jesus was born. Touch the spot where he, Gosh, where he was born, and um, then I think the one that was the location that was most impactful would have been the for me would have been the church of the agony. Mm-hmm. Now this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. where we read in the Holy Scriptures the Lord, after he instituted the Eucharist on Thursday night, and he knew what was coming. He went into the garden with his disciples and asked them to please stay awake and, and pray with him. Mm. And the scriptures tell us that he, he 
he sweat blood. Mm-hmm. You know, his sweat was, the corpuscles were breaking from the, the breaking of his own heart. Mm-hmm. And right there at the, the site of Gethsemane, which by the way, also is on the Mount of Olives. So what we see is the Lord not only was taken prisoner from there, but after the resurrection, he went back in his victory and ascended to heaven from the same garden. Wow. So I didn't know that. Didn't yeah. So we see That's that. Beautiful. And in, you walk into the church, and we were so blessed that Monsignor had set up mass for us early that morning before the crowds come. And when you walk into the church in front of the altar, there's a, there's a rock, and it's about, I want to say, maybe eight feet by eight feet. Mm. It's right in front of the altar. And you, you said, well, what's the rock? It's the very, very rock that our Lord prayed on and sweat his blood. Wow. And they know, you know, they know that's the rock. Mm. So we had mass and at the end, we all were able to get down on our hands and knees and touch that rock. Can I pause you a moment and just linger in our imaginations our, as much as God can uh, edify from your description? So the Holy Mass... This is a great word, anamnesis, which is not just memory, but it's being present. It's being present through the grace of the faculties God gives literally at the sacrifice of the Mass. That's what the Mass is, which transforms us. In fact, at every Mass is all the grace to make us saints if we received it, which should be a measure, right? Mm -hmm. It should be a measure of the degree to which we are coming to Mass availed to being open from the outset of that repentance, right? The Kyrie and Lord have mercy and mindfulness that that opens the door to receive the grace. So that is the essence of the mass everywhere in the world. And you are at this place where, if you will, the passion begins, right? It's the first Mm -hmm. sorrowful mystery. And God, who is all powerful, omnipotent, can at any moment change the the circumstances, but he allows himself in that moment, and this is key, I think, Father Carlos Martins talks about this in one of our recent episodes on exorcism. Listen to The Exorcist Files, a great podcast from a phenomenal exorcist, talks about the degree to which this is consequential because he allows himself to be deprived of his emotional, spiritual awareness of, of his God. He knows he's God. But he's, he's deprived of that connectivity, of that ex- the emotions. You know, we're so much about emotions today. He even says that to some extent this is, is, is maybe most efficacious, this moment. So in some senses, as much or more than even the, the sacrifice in Calvary because of allowing himself to be so crucified mm-hmm. in his interior space. Mm-hmm. So again, for any who are listening right now who feel, where is God, dealing with horrific emotional circumstances, right. as bad as they can be, God took on flesh and allowed himself to experience that right. privation and right. connected to the mass. How powerful. It, it's, it's just amazing. And those scriptures, the Lord loves us and he wants us to follow truth, right? Mm-hmm. Not truth that we, it's not true because we believe it passionately. That doesn't make anything true just right. because you believe it passionately. It's true in, its, in itself. And mm-hmm. what the Lord was showing us by sweating the blood is that he was fully man and fully God. Mm-hmm. He, he, was a, he was a man with a body that mm-hmm. was going to go to that wood. And I, I got down on my hands and knees, and the only thing I could think of is how many thousands of times I have been forgiven mm-hmm. for the so good. unbelievably foul sins I've committed over and over again. I've gone into that confessional and mm-hmm. found the love and the beauty that began so with good. his blood on those rocks. And I could barely 
asked myself the question, would I have stayed awake mm. with him? And I know damn well I wouldn't have. Wow. I would have right. been like everybody else. Right. But that's the point of the mercy. That's mm. the point of why he became flesh. And that's mm. the point of why he went to that garden is to show us that infathomable love. And so that was deeply moving. We, we May I went, interrupt you quickly, yeah. Jeff? So just a couple thoughts, random thoughts, as I like to go to. Um, one, we were so blessed in January at the March for Life to take a mini pilgrimage to the Franciscan, right. uh, the little shrine of the Holy Land, right? The, the mini replica right. of the actual sites. And uh, I just, I can't imagine. We were with was, Jeff in yes, entourage. Right. Yep. And we, you know, kind of bent down at their little nativity area, the replica there, and just how moving and powerful that was. So I can't even imagine. Yep. So just kind of like with a little bit of a precursor of grace, I'm right. sure. Two, as you're sharing just beautifully the Lord's grace there, um, I love the the prayer practice, if you will, whether it's praying the rosary and the mysteries or whatever it is, looking back through salvation history and adding two words to this, right? So the agony in the garden for you. Yeah. Like everything was done personally for each individual right. one of us. That is how much our Father right. loves us. Yeah. And like that is just so powerful. So I encourage our listeners like to hear it through you, your voice right now, through your eyes, and knowing that it's, it's, it's still an individual personal thing. And what a grace. Mm. And, I, and, and then on a personal note, <laughs> if you will, when Greg was um, in the hospital with COVID and things were not looking well. And mm. um, so two quick thoughts. One, I was thinking of at the beginning of this radio show, in your friendship, Jeff, as soon as you heard, you called mm. and you tried to get into the emergency room mm. with us to pray the rosary. And they well, first allow he brought you over in. the verboten ivermectin. <laughs> yeah, those right? are different stories for another well, time. Well, yeah, that's so, a good one, though. But yeah. just, and they wouldn't let you in, mm. and you texted saying, I am right outside in the, in the waiting room, outside the door, basically, mm, of where right. we were at. Right. And you prayed the rosary for yeah. us and yeah. with us. And, like, that is powerful. That is grace. That is friendship. Mm. So... I, I think of that often, and I'm so moved in gratitude mm. by that. And along those same lines, Greg's like, where are you going with it's all good. of this? <laughs> um, when, again, things were probably at the lowest, the darkest, through human eyes, right? Mm. While well, you were mm -hmm. um, in the hospital literally fighting for sure. your life. Friends of ours who are sisters who were in the, were in the Holy Land, um, we got a note from them saying that they went to the rock that you're speaking of mm -hmm. and prayed specifically for Greg's healing, yes. if it was God's will, yes. in, at that place in those moments. Yes. And uh, we really pinpoint that to it's the turning, turning point. point. For sure. Um, yep. So just that being said, the well, powerfulness yeah, of it all. You know, what beautiful comments, because grace is perfected through nature. God mm -hmm. uses the natural created things of his world to, to make grace come to us. It doesn't always just come in the form of an interior light. Right. It often can come through the natural things like the rock we're talking mm -hmm. about or, or the, you know, the, the bread and the wine or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we, we went uh, to Obviously, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is in mm -hmm. Jerusalem, 
And when you stand up and see the city, you see these two domes over this very large structure mm. right across from the, um, the Dome of the Rock. And when you go inside, I think you're kind of stunned that this is actually the, the in, in the scriptures, the place of the crucifixion and the place of the burial and the resurrection were within feet feet of each other, wow. if you know, wow. to, to 20, 20 yards, 25 yards. So the Holy Land sites are under the authority of the Catholic and the Orthodox. And mm -hmm. because there's so many Orthodox uh, national churches, they can't have seven of the Orthodox churches in charge. Mm -hmm. So they all kind of let the Greek Orthodox work on their behalf. And then the Catholics are under the Franciscans. It, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that that it's those two churches that have always had the Holy Land mm, sites. Mm -hmm. Going back before the Reformation, there there are no places in the Holy Land that are under under Protestantism because mm. there's so many denominations. How would you right. do it? And what right. kind of chaos would right. that create? Right. So when you go in, you, you walk up inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The smaller dome is on top of the the site of the crucifixion mm. and you kind of walk up this stairway which would have been the top of calvary wow and the greek orthodox altar is right on top of the rock that held the cross and you walk up there and everybody as we did in in washington mm. everybody gets down on their knees and touches that rock mm. where the, the very cross of the lord was where the blood dripped down and wow. touched that rock it's so moving. And you walk down from there and you go to the larger dome. And un underneath the larger dome is the rebuilt mausoleum where the Lord was, was buried. Now that was torn down by the Muslims, but it was rebuilt by the cru Crusaders. It was rebuilt to its original look. Mm. And one of the original rocks that were at was in the tomb of St. Joseph of Arimathea who provided the tomb for our Lord. Mm -hmm. That's your guy. One of the rocks is still there. So you can touch the rock that was part of the, the sepulcher and it has two little rooms in it. It has a room where the body was prepared and then it has a, a, a lower room that you have to walk down into. You have to kind of bend down mm -hmm. to get into it where the, where the body of the Lord was. And there are people that stand in line for three to four hours to mm. go in there. Mm. And we were very fortunate to have mass oh my goodness. right there at the door. And for the listeners, people that aren't Catholic, when you become a Catholic, you, you pick a, or God picks for you, a patron saint. This is somebody that you admire deeply and touches, their witness touches you. And my mm. patron saint was and is St. Joseph mm -hmm. of Arimathea. So to be able to have, and I admire him so much. Mm -hmm. He's the only person, the only man other than John who appears in all four of the gospels at mm -hmm. the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And for him to walk away from Judaism and to become a Christian cost him a mm -hmm. great, great deal. Mm -hmm. And to sit there and think, I'm, I'm at the very spot where this man who I admire laid it all down Gosh. to follow Thank you, Jesus. the Lord. I love to laugh and say, you know, <laughs> Jesus, Joseph gave 
volunteered his tomb because he knew Jesus would only need it for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I love that. You are listening to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. We encourage you to check us out at ilovemyfamily.us. In this particular time, we ask for your partnership in helping us make homes places of ever-deepening encounter with Christ. We very much rely upon your partnership and support. So click on that partner tab again at ilovemyfamily.us. Folks, you are tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our special brother in Christ, Jeff Barefoot, sharing with us his pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Their eyes and hearts were opened by being in these actual locations where the Christ event, all that happened, did happen, and he remains with us to this day and is consequential to us this day. With each of these scenes that you've described, Jeff, you've used the phrase, bend down, mm-hmm. and I'm just struck by that. Oh. Just humility, oh, yeah. right? Like yeah. the mark of a true Christian. First of all, first and foremost of Christ, right? The ultimate right. humility of taking on flesh and becoming right. man. But as you go into these experiences, one needs to bend down to humble themselves, to, to experience right. what the Lord has in store. So that just jumped out right. to me. It's beautiful. Magnificent. Go ahead, Greg. So what is consequential today, right now, this moment in history, open up the paper, watch the news, things happening around us. This is not the same world as 10 years ago, five years ago, five minutes ago. There are there are things playing out. And yes, we've always been, you know, rife with tumult and challenge and difficulty, but there's a very unique, I don't know, temperature in the water that is resonant with Christ's promise of his return. And it's it's magnified by Mary's apparitions. It's mm-hmm. magnified by, you know, Garabandala, Kita, um, Fatima, talking about the consequentiality of these days. And if we don't repent, really, if we yeah. don't recognize our sinful ways, and oh, by the way, this is a, a mistake we can make that we see throughout the Gospels of thinking, oh, they're talking about the abortionists. They're talking about those presenting over transgender. They're, pres- they're talking about these principalities, human powers that, that are beyond us. And I think we would make a mistake if we didn't recognize, as the gospel was yesterday, Matthew 12, 1 and 2, Jesus tells the beautiful parable of the of the vineyard. And he's talking to religious people, by the way. Yes. And, and I think a summary of that, and I want to just set the stage here and get your input on insights you may have of this. But of course, in the gospel yesterday, the landowner, so he is God, and all that he we have, our bodies, our minds, our souls, the world around us, is owned by him. And he entrusts it to tenants, that's us, for the purposes for which he did entrust it, which in summary form, he blesses us to be blessers. And they get so caught up in the gift that God bequeaths them, the landowner, the vineyard, that they don't, they don't respond, they don't respond to God, to the landowner, with the gratuitousness that he he gave them. In fact, he sends his son at some point, and they even kill his son. Jesus is speaking not just to a select few uber-evil people out there. He's speaking to you and me. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to the degree to which we don't recognize and respond to who we are in him fully. We are the ones that he's speaking to when he says, I will return, and in so many words, there will be an accounting. Um, and, and it's not, again, we are in battle with some forces that merit our 
engagement and our knowledge. Christianity is not just stick your head in the sand. You and I love Bonhoeffer, right? Mm. Uh, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. There are mm-hmm. consequential matters throughout every state, throughout the world. But for us in Ohio, the pro-life battle and the amendment, this this uh, demonic uh, initiative by many who are pawns of Satan, I don't know how else to put it, to want to make it possible for a 12-year-old to choose a, uh, to transgenderize themselves, to mutilate themselves without their parents' knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the battle surfacing. We see the association. <clears throat> I mean, no longer is it uh, hiding right in the weeds. Um, Pride Month, take the middle of that, and you see the word demon. D-E-M-O-N. And, and they're... they're putting this on their gear mm-hmm. it's not uh, they don't interpret this as you're making fun of me or you're being disparaging they're putting it on their banners and their gear and their shirts and they're waving it high pride month demon mm-hmm. at the very heart of that so all of that to ask the question you are a man who's very engaged of matters of heaven here on this earth in this human political economic etc landscape how did coming back and being in the holy land chisel your vision Wow, Greg, what great question. Um, and I'm, I'm, I want to tell the listeners how humbled I am to be being interviewed because I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I'm a sinner that mm. has been redeemed by the blood of our, our Lord. Um, I came back with great joy mm-hmm. n- knowing that we have a linear history from the opening of Genesis to the closing of Revelation. Mm. And none of us are sure where we are living in that timeline, it certainly appears now we're living close to the end. But many brothers and sisters throughout history have thought that. But we know it ends. We know how it ends. We can look at the valley of Armageddon. We know mm. that the Lord will return in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So I came back by being able to see these places on pilgrimage and touch the rock or be touched myself mm-hmm. with the greater confidence that I can count on his word to the very end. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. That we, That's you know, awesome. that every one of us can know that it is yes. true. Yes. And the beauty of our Christian faith is that it's true. Um, so, you know, coming back and seeing not just what's going on throughout the Western world, we are seeing, I think, the collapse of Western culture. Mm-hmm. But in Israel itself, you can see that Jewish people are having their own struggles with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. They're having their own culture coming apart at the seams as well. There, Many, many are not living their Jewish faith at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back with a, a renewed sense of I'm going to die and I'm going to be judged. Mm-hmm. And the Lord doesn't just judge us as individuals. Over and over again, we see in Scripture, He judges nations. Mm-hmm. He He judges He judges people in some way. We are all responsible for where we are mm-hmm. as a nation, as a country, as mm-hmm. a Western society. And we know from Scripture that He not only is going to judge each one of us, but He's going to judge the nations. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end. He will divide them between the sheep and the goats. One of the great places um, we went to was Caesarea Philippi. Mm. Now, after reading, um, they, they, they call a pilgrimage to the Holy Land the fifth gospel mm. because I love it makes the first four gospels become much more clear. Yes. Mm. So we went up 
to the very northern part of Israel at Caesarea Philippi. There's Caesarea on the sea and then there's Caesarea Philippi, two different places. It can be kind of confusing until you see them both. And this is where Jesus took the disciples, the apostles, up to this land where the temple to the God-man, uh, to the Roman god Pan, mm. who was half man and half goat. Mm. And he was the god of fertility. And basically every spring they'd have these raucous, vile, sexual celebrations there. And they, there's this huge rock there where the temple is. The temple, much of the temple is still there. And there's this huge mass of rock with a great big opening that drops down many, many feet. And the Jordan River comes out of that area. Hmm. That's the source of the Jordan River. You can put your hand on the stream that goes all the way down to Israel as the river. Wow. But at that rock is where they would slaughter their children hmm. and throw their children into that, that hole. And the Romans believed that was the gates of Hades. Mm. And Jesus, after three years, took the disciples up there. And he's about to turn south and head back down to Jerusalem for his passion. And he asked them, who do people say I am? Mm. That's at, where it was at. That's, at okay. That very place. Wow. Now, the Jews would never go into that land because it was pagan land. And mm. it was unholy. And they were forbidden to go there. Mm. And he took them. Wow. And to... How this ties into where we're at today is he wanted to show them something very important. And after three years, they said, you know, some think you're the reincarnated John the Baptist. Some think you're the prophet Elijah. Some think you're a prophet. And then he says to them, kind of in a parentheses, I would say, okay, dude, you've been running with me now for three years. <laughs> Who do you say I am? And it was Peter who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm -hmm. And our Lord said, ah, this didn't come from you, Peter. This was revealed to you by my father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's where he says to Peter, I will found my church upon you. And he names him Rock. His name mm -hmm. was Simon. Mm -hmm. And he turns his name into Peter. There's no name in the Old Testament, Peter. It's the first time mm -hmm. anybody was ever named Peter. Kepha. And yeah. he turns him in and he says, and I'm going to... He says something quite shocking when you read those scriptures. He says, I'm, whosoever sins you forgive will be forgiven and whosoever sins you bind will be bound. Well, he mm -hmm. gave that same power to the, to the 11 mm -hmm. in the upper room after the resurrection. Mm -hmm. But he added something to Peter. He said, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom and what you bind on earth mm -hmm. will be bound in heaven. What you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Mm. And we're standing right there at the gates of hell. Jesus took the 12 to declare battle on Satan and the mm. world right there at that mm. spot. Mm. And powerful. he declared victory at the resurrection. And he will come back with Re Revelations 12 through the arm of his mother and will crush the head of Satan. Mm. And the victory will be won. And so this is just great hope mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that every day of our lives, we can know we sin, we know we're mm -hmm. failing, we know we're fallible, but we are, you know, made clean and made new mm -hmm. every, every hour that we come to him. I love that. Folks, again, tune into Ignite Radio Live. 
We are a movement of wanting to foster homes that are saint-making cultures that are more than just these connect the dots, but a Rembrandt, a beautiful flush image that God wants us to live. And we all want that, right? And, and hopefully we all recognize that that is definitive in our children owning joyfully our faith into adulthood, that we they're forged in that culture and the world doesn't want that to happen as we see around us. And I'm going to say, as we're coming in for a landing here, edified by wisdom from Jerusalem and Jeff being there, um, we need to ask the questions, are we aware, right? Are we responsive? Are we, are we recognizing and responsive to our call as parents? Are we recognizing and responsive to our call to more than just religion, certainly religion, right religion, which Christ gives us to imitate and glorify him, all the sacraments, absolutely, those streams of living water, but are we attuned to the relationship at the heart of the ritual? Because I, I believe that that Steph and I cannot speak strongly enough again 10 years now into this Toledo area. Innumerable evidence of many people uh, navigating now 10 years down the road. They're children who are maybe only eight, now they're 18. And we see the difference between those families that are receiving the grace and leaning into it, men leading their homes. And oh, by the way, it's Ephesians 5, which precedes the Ephesians 6, right? Battle passage, we fight not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 5, speak of men and women be submissive under the mission of men, which is what? To die like Christ. This is it, men. To die to ourselves for our wives and children and culture like Christ did, which is what Jerusalem, the Holy Land, really was all about. So I'm kind of want to punctuate simply that this is what we are imperfectly about. What we are very much about is being attuned to this vision God gives us as men and women, as families, to more fully embrace this call, to be gathering and inviting them to go to confession. As Father Carlos Martin said, one confession is more powerful than a hundred exorcisms. To go to confession, to have a culture in our homes where we are apologizing and forgiving to one another, where we do this thing called a great reset that's going to be a book out soon, hopefully, but just for a great family reset where men and women, husbands and wives, come before one another and their children and just confess their sin and ask for forgiveness and just listen to how they can be better and uh, create a culture where we improve in grace. All that is what we are about. And I, you know, I, we're just going to be proclaiming that more and more and inviting you to join us in that adventure at ilovemyfamily.us. I just want to highlight quickly too, Jeff, that your last description of the founding of our church, Peter mm -hmm. Rock, right? Mm -hmm. That that Jesus took them, as you said, to this pagan land. And it just resounds in my heart more and more that the church needs to be in the culture. Yes. Just as Christ took the apostles there and gave Peter the power and the keys and just those words to everyone and asking that question. And I guess, yes, I'm challenging us as a church, as the people of God, as yes. lay people, yeah. but also encouragement to pray for our Holy Father, to pray for our bishops, to pray for our priests, that they have the courage to lead us in this this pagan culture mm. to be that light to be his voice and not yeah. just keep it in you know quaint little places of you know church and coffee and donuts and nice little book studies or fixing the roof and the organ and without Which any attentiveness to of hearts but yes. we need to reclaim that mission that Christ gave us and that challenge and where he calls us if we believe that there is an urgency in this battle that we are evidently in church 
stand up, speak up, no, as lay and clergy alike. But we need good leaders. We need that mm. light. We need that encouragement. We need um, to be challenged in that. And Greg, you highlighted our homes, right? How much does Satan want to enter and has entered in many realms, you know, into our homes, whether it be through devices, through, you know, phones, the internet, TV, whatever's being watched, but also just in how we treat each other. Image of God, you started our show speaking of our nonprofit Image Trinity, which comes from JP2's um, quote of families become who you are, mm -hmm. an image of the Trinity. Are we speaking to each other? Are we treating each other as an image of God? And so when we rightly live what the Lord has called us to in that we do defeat the enemy. We do defeat Satan. We do call church, that domestic church, the place to where it is. It started at the Annunciation, right? Mary's home. You saw Jesus and Mary and Joseph's home in Nazareth. Those were the first churches. The 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 faith of um, the, our early faith, which Christ had founded, started in those homes in the Holy Land and they gathered together there, that's where the, the gospel was mm -hmm. proclaimed, right? First and foremost there. And as Christ gave that incredible, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, it starts in the home. Right. And that is where the gospel is in every corner of the world right now. And so we encourage you, as you did, Greg, as parents, as grandparents, as just good friends, to proclaim it there, to mm -hmm. claim our mm -hmm. homes as those churches as the images, as the image of God lived out. Jeff, I want to give you the final word and I want to set it up this way. If you had the entire world, and I'm thinking religious leaders and those who profess Christianity, maybe in particular, if you had a 60 second captive audience and all were listening in this moment, edified by your pilgrimage to Jerusalem and the battle that you and I and all of us are attuned and engaged in pro-life and, you know, embracing Christ and all that. You have 60 seconds to speak to them. How's that for pressure? Go. Jesus Christ became man and went to the cross, an agonizing, torturous death to fulfill all that the prophets had spoken. And it was true. And he rose from the dead. And by that becoming man and going to the cross and being risen, he opens the door for forgiveness. And I think mostly we saw the, we saw the well where the woman, where he spoke to the woman mm. who had had seven, seven men, seven husbands. Mm. And she was humiliated by that, had to come and get her water in the middle of the day because none of the other women wanted to be around mm. her. She was publicly shamed. So many of us, have our private sins that are forgiven, but public sins that people are aware of. And for the listeners, he will wash all that away. Mm. He took that away from that woman and she was converted right there at that well mm. and ran back and told them what he had done for her. And the story is that throughout all of that village, they became believers mm -hmm. because they saw her mm -hmm. transformation. That's the truth, and that's how much he loves us. Mm. So thank you so much, folks, being tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with us, seeking God's grace, confident in this very moment he is pouring it forth. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord Jesus, in this moment you see us, you know us, and we just declare 
even if we don't feel it, that you made us for you. You made our deepest appetites and desires to be fulfilled only in you. And Lord, you see how we have perhaps been deceived or distracted or misdirected in these deep appetites and how they haven't satisfied us. Well, in this moment, Lord God, together, each of us in our own ways, we repent. Help us not to run from that word, but to realize it's an invitation to turn, to turn more fully what you made us, our appetites to you who are the source of all fulfillment, the fulfillment of every desire. We proclaim you as Lord, even again, if we don't feel it or understand in this new moment, we resolve to want to live for you fully and completely for your glory. Give us your heart and mind for our spouse, for our children, for everyone around us. Give us your heart to do as you did, to sacrifice even for the very ones who may cause the suffering. And to realize you give us your holy church to be this tremendous living pilgrimage every second of every day, connected to the sacraments and the grace flowing from them to uh, radiate your love and healing presence to the world. We ask all of this in your glorious name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of of the Annunciation. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, so blessed to be along the journey with you. And uh, please, again, check out ilovemyfamily.us. Make the step, one challenge, one, one stretch mark. Commit your family to gathering for this gathering guide. begins with fun, engaging questions. It leads into uh, daily questions, victories, challenges. Proclaim the gospel right there. And uh, even just the first question of three questions, what struck you, challenged you, and inspired you? What questions did this raise? I promise you, If you bring your family together just to set aside the solipsism, the individualism that devices can divide in our homes, right? Just to set those aside as a victory, but to bring them together and reflect upon these questions that are available at ilovemyfamily.us, I promise you, you will experience renewal. You'll experience healing. You'll experience streams of living water. It is a gift God gives us. We've been blessed by it, and we offer it to you to join us in that journey. And again, click on that partner tab if you are so moved and uh, help us continue this movement and stretch even further. Until next time, God bless you. you.